You're listening to Calvary La Habra's podcast. For more information, visit us at calvarylh.com. Thanks for listening. Isn't that just right? Isn't that just right? Just to sing to Jesus. and Lord, we're here for you. We pray our desire. I know the prayer of our staff and many within our church is that we would, we would simply encounter you. We would not stay the same. We would encounter you, and we know throughout your word, anyone that truly encountered you and opened their heart to you, they just did not, they did not stay the same. We come to you, Lord, some with hearts that are heavy. Lord, some just dealing with some uncertainty, confusion, undoubtedly fear. Um, others just like are resting in you. They found that place. Others are just basking in your presence throughout the day. Some are like, man, I just, I, I so miss the Lord. Whatever it is that we come as we worship you, we call it the great exchange. We just like, here you go, man. And we give you all that we are in exchange for just all that you are. Thank you for meeting us in our worship all these years. You're so faithful to just meet us here and, and to cultivate yourself within our midst. Thank you for that. You respond to the seeking heart. Lord, and for those that um, are gathering in this service in their homes, we pray you would meet them there. We pray that your spirit, Holy Spirit, you'd show up in a very personal way. Use uh, your word to encourage us, to direct us, to redirect us, to challenge us, um, to exhort us. Use your word, Lord. And, and uh, I know it's your desire, Father, to make us all more like your son. May that sanctifying work of your spirit through your word just do that. If for anybody that's listening here or online that doesn't know you, we would pray right now. Pray with me, saints, that, that you'd save them, Lord, that you'd bring salvation to people that need you tonight, Jesus. And um, love you. We completely respect what you're doing in this season, and we trust you. And so continue your work in our hearts right now, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, have a seat. Turn your Bibles over to, um, we're going to be in 2 Samuel, actually. 2 Samuel, and we are going to pick up in chapter 6. I uh, have do devotions here in the morning with our, um, our staff and some volunteers that show up for the relief ministry and People that cook and the food that goes out, um, breads, cookies, and all those kinds of things. And, um, and our interns are here today as well. So it's, it's just a fun time. Uh, I just throw a stool down and we just, we just go for it. And um, I opened up Psalm 34. And before I read it, I just kind of did the, by show of hands on Sunday when I talked about, we're just going to, we're going we're gonna to sing today. I said, how many of you guys knew that our governor said, you know, thou shalt not sing in churches, you know, and. I was surprised to, to see how many people just, oh, I, I didn't know that until you said something. And, and um, you know, I just kind of threw it out there. Well, 
I won't do that right now, but what'd you think about that, you know? And, and people just kind of look, should I say what I really feel? And then, you know, you warm up and work up the crowd a little bit, and the next thing you know, they were speaking their mind and a bit. And I said, you know, it's, it's, I think it's right of us to go, man, what would a guy like that tell Christians like us, right, to do something that we can't stop doing, right? I mean, it's just, this is what we do. And um, I said, so it's, it's almost like, I wonder how many Christians, and I'm going somewhere with this, but I wonder how many Christians went, man, he has no right to do that. He, man, he cannot tell me not to sing in church, but they're Christians that don't sing in church. I, I don't know, my mind just kind of goes there sometimes. You know, back when we used to, you know, have filled up sanctuaries and stuff, I used to like to sit off to the side, sometimes in the front, but, and I'm not the guy that like, I wonder how many people are worshiping here. That song kind of, they should be raising their hands. It's not that kind of thing. I just like to know the audience that I'm about to speak to. That's why sometimes I want to get a little feedback, by the way. I just want to know if you're here, you know, and um, you've got most of the people out there on, on, on couches and stuff. I don't know if they're tracking with me, so I, I get a little bit of feedback sometimes, but I used to just want to know, are people worshiping? Not singing. Are they worshiping? Now, that doesn't mean every time I walk through here, you're all, there's like, you know, raise your hands kind of thing. It's not that. It's back in the garden. God had, he had created you and I, he created mankind, Adam and Eve, for one primary reason. For him. To have intimacy and fellowship with him. Now I know that we can make life so about us just by waking up. But he created us, listen, for his good pleasure. And I know it's hard to get that straight and to keep that straight in our minds. But that's why he created us. Sin comes into the picture, broken fellowship. From that day forward, he is fighting and trying to conquer and win back that fellowship. And, and, and that even with, with Christians who he resides in, those that are born again, those that he's redeemed. He, he just knows that, that we can give our affections over to so many other things than him throughout a day, throughout a season. And the next thing you know, our fellowship with him is distant. And the enemy knows that. And the enemy wants nothing more than to break that intimacy and that fellowship between those who have been redeemed and their redeemer. He just, he's like, I don't want that to happen. And that's why I'm like, it, yeah, it's easy to be all political and go, hey man, how dare someone tell me not to sing in church? But you might not even have that going on in church. What worship should be in church? And that much more in a church, if you've come here over the last 10 years, you know that Jesus meets us here. At least that one person. You, church, do we enjoy the presence of the Lord in this room? Okay. Do you know that didn't just happen? The Bible says that, that God responds to the seeking heart. Whenever a church becomes a church that experiences the presence of the Lord through worship, that church has cultivated Christ-centered worship. That means that you've got worship leaders that are like out of the way and it's all about him and you've got people that are getting that and they're coming here and it's about Jesus and you cultivate that. A church that has 
vibrant corporate prayer that is alive and engaging with God, it doesn't just happen. You cultivate that in a church. A church that actually studies the word of God and experiences life from his word, it doesn't just happen. That's something you cultivate. Well, this morning where I'm going... Wait, what is today? It's, it is Wednesday, and it's the second service, so I'm thinking it's Sunday. It's Wednesday night, second service. Tonight, wow, here we go. I, 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 I want to share some things that I believe, they are, they're touchy subjects because they have to do with the body of Christ being pulled apart by a pandemic. And they're, 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 they're touchy subjects because... Part of the need within the body of Christ today is to be comforted. Not, not coddled, but comforted. The, the body of Christ needs to be encouraged. The pandemic is real. Some people are dealing with real issues of COVID-19, whether it's physical ailment themselves or the loved one of a friend or the loss of a job. These, these are real issues that are really disturbing people's lives. And I want to downplay that. The fear that that, that some people are, are really dealing with is really real. I don't want to minimize that. I just want to speak to that. I want the freedom to be able to, to, to be an encourager to the body of Christ, as I believe any shepherd should be. But at the same time, our, our chief shepherd, Jesus, who is the ultimate encourage us, encourager, will also exhort us, right? He'll also redirect us and even chasten us if we need that. And so I'm going to pose a few questions to us tonight just to, to think through. But I want you to know that I am, I am secure in what God is doing with our church as we are pulled apart by a pandemic. I'm secure in that. I trust that he is in control. That means that if you're here, I trust that God has led you here, that you're here because God has led you here. I trust that. You're not here trying to prove a governor wrong. It's not about being against something. You're here for God. That's what I'm, I'm just trusting that you're, you're here for him. You're coming to hang out with him and, and to learn through his word and to worship Jesus. I trust just as much. I'm just as secure in God. And I trust that any of you that are watching this live on home or will watch this later on a live feed, because we know that there are there are, there are lots of homes that do this, lots of people doing this in their homes, that you are equally being led by God to do that. Now, we also know that there's a real enemy, amen? Do we have a real enemy out there? His name's Satan. He does not want anything in the body of Christ to work in the realm of helping cultivate intimacy with Christ. He just doesn't want that to work. He doesn't want relationships to form that will help cultivate that. He doesn't want that to happen in a home or marriage, a family. He does not want that to happen in the diversity of a congregation such as ours. He, he did not want that to happen with the nation of Israel down through history. He didn't want to happen with the forming of the church or throughout church history. He doesn't want that happening with the church today. As much as we've talked about God using this pandemic to wake up the church and bring revival to the church, we know the enemy can also use this pandemic. The enemy can use fear within this pandemic. Fear, a very, very powerful driving force. Perfect love casts out all fear. Fear is not of the Lord. Anymore that confusion is of the Lord. And so we, we have to ask ourselves, 
these just basic questions. In this season, is it about me or is it about him? In the garden, <laughs> he's like, Adam, Eve, fine looking specimens. I created you. Guess what? It's all about me. I created you for me. Now, there's parts of life you're going to enjoy. Look at the garden. Name it. Claim it. No, he's not a faith and prosperity guy, but you just hang, hang out here. Everything you need is in this garden. Even created Eve for Adam. Man, just find fulfillment in my creation as well. But ultimately, there's the creator. There's dad just looking at his creation going, man, they're enjoying the earth. And he finds pleasure in that. But the, the crowning like act of his creation being you and I, if you were to boil all that down, you say, God, now, now really, why did you create us? He'd say, I, I, I want a relationship. I want intimacy. I, want, I just want to know you. And for anybody here listening online that doesn't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you've, at this point, up until this point, you've missed the very purpose of God creating you. He created you to know you, to, to have you know, intimacy with you. And, and, of course, sin comes into the picture, and, and sin separates us from God. And so as we, 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 we look at all of this, you know, this evening, I just want to start off with a couple of questions. My life right now during this pandemic, has it become about me? Has it become more about me? And, and what I think my life should be for my good pleasure and my good safety and my good concerns and all that, or has, during this pandemic, my life become more about him? His will for my life, his plan for my life, his purpose for my life, all the way down to the point of where I find myself sitting listening to this Bible study. God would want to have a say in that matter. So, in our, our, our study tonight, it says David in verse 1 of 2 Samuel 6. He gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000. David arose and he went with all of the people who were with him to Baal in Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, whose name is called by the name, the Lord of hosts. He's, he is the Lord of all of us, who dwells between the cherubim. So they set the ark of God, notice, on a new cart. We'll come back to that. And brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on a hill, and his two boys, Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, they, they drove the new cart that held the ark of the covenant. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, and there it was on the hill, accompanying the ark of God. And Ahio went before the ark, then David, David, who is yet to build the temple, David, king now, assuming authority, assuming the role, David, out of the exile years, David and all of the house of Israel played music before the ark. Now picture this giant parade of 30,000 people and David at the front. There's the, the ark on this cart. David, he's, 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 he's there and and. And it says that they played music before the Lord. You'd have heard this coming from a mile away. All kinds of instruments on the firwood and harps and stringed instruments and tambourines and sistrums and cymbals. And 
And, and then they came to Nacosh, Nacon's threshing floor. And it just says, Uzzah, he, he put out his hand. One of Abinadad's sons. He's like, put, put out his hand towards the ark of God, took hold of it because the oxen that were pulling that cart had stumbled. And, and the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah and God struck him. They're, they're right for his error is how the Bible defines that act. And he died there by the ark of God. David, he became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah and he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. And David, in verse 9, he's like afraid of the Lord. And he said, look at, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? How can can I, how can I, how can I bring the ark of the Lord, listen, which was a symbol and actually the very place that represented the presence of the Lord in that era. How can I bring the ark of the Lord to the center of his people? If the way that I'm going about it didn't work. He just was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Now, let me give you a little history. The ark of the Lord was not at the center of the people of the Lord, the rightful place. The people of the Lord, let me say it this way, were okay with the ark that represented the presence of the Lord outside of the congregation for 70 years. For 70 years, the ark was not where it should have been. Again, the temple was yet to be built, but David knew exactly where the ark should have been. The presence of the Lord, David was seeking it and knew that it needed to be in the center of the nation. How many of you would say that about America today? Man, we just need the presence of God. We need God to be the center of America, amen? Is that a, is that a, is that a bad cry or is that, a, is that the right cry, amen? It's a right cry. For 70 years, we back up and we look at 70 years of history and we go into 1 Samuel chapter 24. And it was a time when God had raised up prophets. That's God in, 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 in Hebrews you know, chapter 1. It says God in, in, in times past in various ways. He spoke by the prophets. And in these days he's speaking to us by his son. There was a time where God was like, look, you want to know my will? I'm going to raise up a man and he's going to clearly give you my will. So with big decisions, you seek my will. You talk and you pray and you don't do anything without me. But the, the, the first part of Samuel, you get into like chapter 4, and, and that's what they do. They look at some really bad stuff happening around the nation of Israel. The Philistines, they were a threat. The nation of Israel was in fear. Their life was being disrupted. And they, they were like, what are we going to do about this disruption in our life? They did not seek the Lord. They did not go to a prophet. They rushed into what they felt they needed to do about the threats and the disruption in their life. 
<laughs> and they just, they, they, they were like, we're going to the battle. We're just doing it. Boom. They, they run headlong into battle and 4,000 soldiers from the Israeli army die. The elders, they say there in 1 Samuel chapter 4, why has the Lord defeated us? You know, why has the Lord allowed this to happen? But again, they didn't recognize that they were, they were just doing what was right in their own eyes. Circumstances arose. The enemy began to, to pose a threat. Fear began to grip their hearts. They moved in the flesh. They did not seek a prophet. They did not seek the heart of God. They did not seek the will of God. They found themselves outside of the will of God, moving against what they feared on their own without the counsel of God, and it cost them. So, Israel goes out a second time. They fight against the Philistines the second time. But this time they're like, hey, 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 get the ark of God. <laughs> get the ark. Let's go get the ark. Let's get it from Shiloh where it has been. And I've taken tours through Shiloh. It's a really cool place. It's one of the story. But that's where the tabernacle sat for a while. It's where the ark was. And they're like, go get the ark, man. Um, and, and, and when it comes among us, it, they said, the ark may save us from the hand of the Philistines, but they were defeated again. This time, not 4,000 people died, but 30,000 people died. What happened? Well, they put their faith in the ark, not in God. And what would happen, the Philistines would end up capturing the ark the priest, Eli, was actually the reigning priest at that time. He had two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. They would die in that. The news gets back to Eli, the priest. Your sons are dead. He hears the word falls over backwards, breaks his neck, and dies. The same news puts Eli's daughter-in-law, the one that was married to Phinehas, puts his wife, who was in labor, or she was pregnant, into early labor, and, 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 and she has premature labor, and she dies giving birth to a son. And they, here in the midwife, come up with the name of the son. They call him Ichabod, which means the glory of God has departed. Today, we, we, could, we could easily be tempted. We see that which opposes us, that which grips us with fear, whether it's the social injustice of our day or the pandemic of our day. It'd be so easy for us to initially go, this is what I'm going to do about it. And some people four months into this might have created a life that is like a life that is not the result of seeking God. And they find themselves like okay without that, that counsel. They've justified it. <coughs> they've they've marginalized the need for God. Others are like, you know, they put their faith in the church, not the God of the church. And we've got to be very careful because I think that it's just appropriate for guys like me today to talk to the church in the state that the church is in today. It's not what it was this time last year. You guys agree? 
Yeah. It's for everybody online. They're, they're agreeing with me. They're just, they're just not vocal tonight. And so it's appropriate. This, is, this, is, this fits. It is absolutely appropriate. But what, what a sad narrative as you go through the story. What a sad digression. People looking at that which opposes them, that which is gripping them with fear, and just, this is what I'm going to do, my way. And, 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 and the enemy just, that, that which opposed them, just overtook them, and it cost them dearly. And the end of it all, you know, that's, that storyline is, the glory of God has departed. What a, what a sad Conclusion. What a, a sad thing to say about a marriage that one time just experienced the presence of God, sought him, walked in his will, but just stopped seeking him, stopped seeking his will, stopped experiencing the presence of God, was okay without that. And before long, it costs them and the glory of God departs. What a sad thing for a family. What a sad thing for churches. And what a sad thing for Christians today that for whatever reasons have just been okay with the ark being in a Shiloh somewhere else. Oh, God's doing some crazy things over there, man. Hanging out over there with those people in Shiloh. But man, I, I got my life exactly where I want it and they've just made it about them. Fear can drive that. Circumstances can drive that. Pride can drive that. Self-centeredness can drive that. Narcissism can drive that. Satan can drive that. Because our enemy wants nothing more than to break that fellowship with our God. So, the ark. The Philistines, they bring that ark to these coastal cities. They're coastal cities um, of Ashdod. So we're following now the ark. Okay, now it ends up in Ashdod. It's with the Philistines. They've captured it. They bring the ark into the temple of Dagon. You remember Dagon, the story of Samson. As you go through the story of Samson, Samson was in the, the temple of Dagon when he was blinded, his eyes was plucked out, he was chained to the pillars of the Philistine gods. He, he pulled those pillars down on all of those people, that last bit of strength that God gave him there. That was a temple that was erected to, to Dagon. When the Philistines capture the ark, they bring it to one of their prized cities. They bring it to their prized temple, their god. They're like one of their chief gods, Dagon. They had this giant statue of Dagon. And they bring the ark and they place it before him, like at his feet. Like our god has beat your god. Problem. They came back in the morning and there was the ark and Dagon was lying flat on its face. I can imagine being one of the Dagon temple priests. And you come in that morning and you're like, Hey, I need some help to pick up our God. You know, he's like, he has fall, he's toppled over. The next day, you stand them all up, and you're all, you know, yeah, Dagon, whatever, you know. And then the next day, you come, and you're telling everybody about your great temple and about your great God. You hey, come check it out. You walk, and he's back on his face again. But this time, he's decapitated, and his hands and his feet are cut as just a torso. Do we serve a God of sense of humor or what? He's like, I just love it. <clears throat> and, and so, this is the ark. This is the presence of God. Without it, do you get it? Defeat. People around us get jacked up with it. 
victory. And we sit back and we're amazed in our God. So the Philistines are like, hey, you know, <laughs> this, isn't, this is just not some kind of coincidental thing, you know. Um, they, they knew this was more than that. And so they were looking at all this. And then, and then God, in his humorous way, he began to judge these people. He gave them in the Hebrew, it's the word tumors, it break it down, it's actually emirads in the Hebrew. It break, he, he strikes these poor people with hemorrhoids. We're going to get to heaven and God's just going to be just cracking up at some of this stuff. And we're like, hey, well, this is just great. You like dismantled their God, you gave them hemorrhoids and you sat back and okay. They recognized that it was the judgment of God and then they took the ark and they're like this thing's got power man this is the god of israel that the the pagans revered the ark and recognized the power of god and the presence of god at that point more than the people of israel so they there's these several philistine cities i've been on a, a mountain last year and i was in israel and, and, and looking towards the coast, I was actually in the Valley of Elah. Bethlehem was on one side, and the other side, our, my buddy Yuval, our tour guide, was pointing out these cities on the coast. I was like, whoa, they're still... It, it, just, so the, the ark is taken there, then to Ekron, and these next three Philistine cities suffer greatly because they have the ark. God just inflicts them. And they descend it. They're like, this thing's got to go back to where it belongs. And they put it on a cart. This is what these pagans, they put it on a cart. And off it goes to the people of God. And for decades, it had languished at the border of Judah in the house of Abinadad. And from there, David comes through his exile years and he says, I'm now coronated, recognized as king. I've had my coronation. The temple's yet to be built and David says, we have got to get the ark back. The presence of God, the one thing above all else he wanted as now he's resumed responsibility and authority with this position is that he would constantly have the presence of God with him. He couldn't rule with any other authority than the authority of God. He couldn't make any kind of decisions without the presence of God. He needed the power of God, the guidance of God. It was essential for every battle, every decision, every action that he would take. I've got to get the ark. I've got to bring it back into the, the, the national spotlight it's got to be at the heart of the kingdom. It's got to be at the heart of God's people, the presence of God. Exodus chapter 25, verse 22 says, that's where I'm going to meet you. David knew that. I'll commune, with, I'll commune with you there between the cherubim. David knew that. There was at this point in his life nothing more vital. With him, it was God 
equals victory. With David, God equals the right decision. With, with God, I will have authority that, that will bless the people that I oversee. Without God in his presence, he knew that he was defeated, he would make bad decisions, and he could not do what was best for God's people. Without the sense of God's abiding presence, without God's constant communion, David was like, we will lose our way. Question. Question. Are you there? <laughs> Is our church there? Is in your home, as I talk lovingly and graciously and respectfully to you in your homes, are you there? David sends out 30,000 men to recover the ark. But the ark is placed on this new cart. It was exactly like the Philistines did long ago. The cart's driven along the road by Abimadad's two sons. Oxen stumbles. <laughs> and Uzzah, his son, just reaches out. Just, it's, it seems like an innocent thing. I'm just trying to... Just trying to Help this whole thing out. I, you know, what's wrong with David wanting to get the ark back? What's, what's wrong with, like, pulling it out of dad's house and putting it in the, in the center of people's lives? What's wrong with that? Nothing. But the way you're going about it. The question is, I might want the presence of God, and I might feel that our nation even needs the presence of God. I might even feel that our church needs the presence of God. I might feel that at my house, I need the presence of God. No one's going to fault that. The question is, how are you going about it? Listen, God's way or your way? God's way or your way? Question again, very simple. Are you here because God put it in your heart to be here? This is where he's like, hey, you need to, you need to be here and worship me tonight. This is where you are going to worship me. If, if that's the case, great. Great. But it needs to be God leading you, and you need to make this about him, not you. Not about the church, not about me, not about me, not about, about him. Question, in your home, are you there right now or these four months? Because God has said, listen, this is where I want you to be. This is where you're going to commune with me. This is where you're going to set up your Shiloh. Or our, our circumstances, why you are sitting in a home. COVID-19. You know, I was talking to um, a group of our leaders last night. We had a meeting. And one of the, the gentlemen said, um, he goes, man, I've just been reading through the Gospels and or the, the epistles. And I just, again, I'm captivated by Paul and the prison epistles, how... Here he is a prisoner of Rome, but he, he identifies himself as a prisoner of Jesus Christ. You guys understand what that means, right? He's like, I'm not held captive by my circumstances. I am in the center of God's will. And, and this is where he has me. Circumstances haven't, you know, caged me in. 
No, I am a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And that's how he could write that. And everyone who reads that all these years later, we look at the life of Paul and we go, that is a great way to describe who he was while he was in prison. Now, if his life didn't support that, we'd be like, oh, that's just kind of a lofty way of wanting us to think he's really got something special going on with God. But he really did have something special going on with God. And so we admire that. And so today, if I was writing a letter to somebody, and, 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 and for whatever reasons, I just wanted to identify myself as, you know, Lance Cook, man, just a prisoner of Jesus Christ, would that be an accurate description that, that my life is completely held captive by him. He is complete Lord of my life completely. Or would some Christians need to say, writing a letter to another Christian or the church, their name, a prisoner of COVID-19. A prisoner of fear. <coughs> a prisoner of the life that I chose for myself to please myself. This chapter speaks to this. This chapter speaks to this. It says, Uzzah just reached out and God, who is a God of detail, a God of order, and a God that is holy, who says, you will make this about me. Or it just is not going to work out well. Gave a very in-your-face display of how serious he is of making it about him and giving him his rightful place. You see, in Numbers 4, it says that only the priests were to carry the ark. Only, only the sons of Kohath are to, are to, carry, are to carry the ark. And, and, and no one's to touch it or they'll die. It was very, very clear. And so naturally, you know, we, we, we look at what God says and we, we look at what God wants of our life and just our natural kind of, there's just something about us. We're like, God, it is great. I just love you so much. But let me just, I, I kind of want, you to go about who you are in my life and what you're going to do in my life or who you are in our ministry or what you're going to do in our ministry my way. I, I know because it would, it would say later on in, in Exodus chapter 25 or before that, that when they carried the ark, they were to, to cast four rings. They would have four rings on both sides of it. They were to have these, these poles. And the poles were to be made of acacia wood. All of the symbology is amazingly, one day we'll have time to get this, it all points to Jesus. It's all about him. But even the, 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 the God of order, the God of detail, everything that he made or had made as it related to worshiping him in the, in the, in the sanctuary or in the, in the tabernacle and all of the, the, the everything that made up the, the tabernacle, including the Ark of the Covenant, was it was to point to Jesus. And so this God of orders like, look, this is the ark, these are the dimensions, it's two and a half, three and a half, covered by gold, acacia wood, the cherubim, and, and I'll dwell in the, the midst of that. You're gonna have these four rings, you're gonna have these poles at this length, you're gonna make them out of acacia wood, and you're gonna overlay them with gold. And then the only way you were to carry the ark was slide those poles through the rings, Levites, the sons of Koth, and pick that up 
and, and when I say, the way I say, you move. You, you don't start making your own platforms and say, God, this is how you're going to roll with me. You don't start making your own cards and say, this is, this is how we're going to roll. <laughs> you just don't do that. It just doesn't work. So, what happens? We look at this, and there's a book I'm taking a bunch of men through this last year, all of our men's groups and our mentoring men and all, all the discipleship and everything, downline of men here. Alan Redpath, The Making of Man of God, great book. He writes about this. I want to read a quote. He says, when it comes to the ark of God, there was nothing mechanical about it, whatever. He says, we are talking about a divine institution. When it is moved, it was to be carried exclusively by the Levites, as God had said. They weren't to touch it. The ark was nothing less than the burden of the Lord. And the burden of the Lord was to be carried on the hearts of his people, the Levites. We want God's presence very much, don't we, Red Pass says. But we like to hitch his presence to our new carts. We like to add him to our list of organizations to load him on top of the mechanics of a busy life and then drive. This day and age where I think our lives have been disrupted, disrupted in ways that we could have never have imagined, we just need to pause and just ask ourselves. I'll just go back four months. Have these four months again. When I look at who I've become, is it about him or is it about me? Have I, have I, have I made my world, my world in my home, my world where I go to church now, in my home or here, have I made it about him or have I made it about me? In 2018 of October, this church, if you were attending here up until that point, you know that everything we, do, we were doing was completely maxed out. Every event, out of control full. We sat around as, as, a, as a staff, our pastors, and we sat around as our board, and we just we looked, at, we looked at some things, events that would start out reaching the community with just a few hundred people or now into the multiple thousands. You guys know what I'm talking about. And, and, and whether it's Christmas and Easter and VBS and, and, and our harvest thing and all the different outreaches around the holidays, it was, it, was, it was getting very busy. And listen, there were just a lot of platforms, if I can just say it that way. There were a lot of platforms. And our heart was to platform Jesus on all of these platforms. And we just began to walk around at some of these events and we were wondering how much Jesus was actually platformed and reaching into the lives of these people. And we just began to assess it and we're like, you know, we're not seeing a lot of conversion. We're not seeing a lot of people touched by Jesus at all these events. And, and just so you know, in, in January, we, we had a meeting in January 
And we took off of our calendar 11 events, major events. All the big ones. I'll just leave it at that. Time doesn't have, we don't have time to go through the list. But just, we just took them off because we said we don't just want to have platforms that somehow are successful. We want platforms that are absolutely spiritual. Little did we know that God would just March 15th go, we're just going to cancel everything except the service lands. <laughs> and, and we were like, this is kind of cool. You know, he was putting it on our heart already. And, and, and we knew why already. We had already been praying about it. We're resigned to it. And we we're like, bigger's not better. If something's good, it doesn't mean it's God. You know, all these phrases. We're like, it just, we just want to go deeper with him. And if, if we're creating things that are competing with that, then let's say no more to that platform. And, <clears throat> and let's go back to doing some things that will, that will drive people to Jesus and experience him in a deeper way. Amen? If you're here, you know we talked about some of this, especially if you're in some of the meetings, the leadership meetings and stuff. So here we are. Four months into something if you've listened to the studies that God has given us, we haven't been in 1 John, we've not been in Ecclesiastics, God has been taking us into the Bible to speak specifically to the events of our day. And he's been trying to, I believe, just win over our hearts and build our confidence in him and win over just a little bit more of Lance's heart and your heart and the heart of this church in a season where we've been pulled away in a church where he's raised up so many ministers and ministries to, to cultivate koinonia and to help people in their walks. And so we've had to pivot and, and, and we've, we've had to say, Lord, show us what to do. Do you know the temptation of saying, hey, we need this platform now? And just say, God, get on our platform as a church? It's, it's great temptation. We don't want to do that. At the same time, we know there's a real enemy. You guys know there's a real enemy out there, right? And, and he does not want that fellowship to grow between any child of God and their God. He just doesn't want it to grow. And he doesn't want anything within the body of Christ to creatively develop anything that will help a Christian grow in their intimacy with Jesus Christ. Satan doesn't want that to happen. He wants to pull the body of Christ apart. He wants the, 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 the leadership to sit on their hands and say, you know, oh, COVID-19, COVID-19, I guess we can't do anything there's no more COVID-19. He just wants us to cave in and to not press through. That's the enemy. He's a, he's a real enemy. He's playing on people's heads and with the fear and all of that. And I'm not saying you shouldn't be cautious and responsible. I'm not saying that he doesn't have people in their homes. If that's his leading for you, praise God for that. But as a shepherd of the flock of God, as a pastor in the community and, and in other churches that I'm able to speak into, I believe it's appropriate to ask these questions. Four months later, as the world, my world, the platforms around me, are they about me or about him? Are they for me or for him? David just, he just learned the hard way. And I, and I, and I, I, I actually respect the cry of David. I, I respect it. Because 
David was like confused. David was, was, was like, well, how then, how then am I to get the ark? And I think if we were honest, if we could pool the how many thousands of people that track with us in our studies and say this is their church, I would venture to say that there have been lots of days where you've had that same cry. You just have missed the Lord. How then? And maybe even today you're realizing, I've just been going about it the wrong way. And you're just, you just landed like David. I, okay, how, 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 do I, how do I get the ark? How, how? This is the cry of a shepherd right now. How, Lord, how can I help Lance and Lori, my girls, my son-in-laws, Ezra? How, how, how can I help us all experience you or give us wisdom? That's the cry of David's heart here. David, he realizes that it just, it, it, didn't, it didn't work out and so he, he basically comes to a place where he's like, in verse 11 and 12, he's like, Let, let's just put the ark in the house of Obed-Edom. I, I just don't like how this worked out. 30,000 people, the parade is just jamming, and now we've got a dead guy. Which, he, he wasn't too proud, David, at this time to say, we're just going about it the wrong way. For three months, as many scholars say, this is where, because David's going to get it right. In those three months, David had to have went back to, what did we do wrong? He sought God because he came back and he did what was right. And the way that they would carry the ark, the way that they would move would be a procession of worshipers this time. And they would do it in line with God's word because God would honor it. But it's interesting that as the ark, for all of us listening, especially you that are in, in your homes listening to this, sir, the, the ark remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the, the Gittite, for three months. And it says, and the Lord blessed that man and his household. Just hold on to that. So much so that word got back to David that that's exactly what happened. Verse 12 says, it, and it was told the king, saying, do you believe this? <laughs> the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom. I don't know how, but it's in ways that was undeniable to where they're talking to David about it. God's just where his presence is. There's victory and there's blessing. Both him and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went, verse 12, brought up the ark from the house of Obed-Edom. He's like, I want that ark. And he brought it to the city with gladness. But this time, check it out. As those were bearing the ark of the Lord, they would go. They would, they would walk six paces. They would stop and make a sacrifice. Question. How many paces do you go through in a day before you stop and worship the Lord? How many paces do you go through in a week 
How many paces do you go through in a decision? How many paces have you went through COVID-19, a pandemic, before you stopped and worshiped the Lord? That's what they do. Six paces, they're, they're sacrificing. And David then, there's all kinds of commentary on this. He just starts dancing before the Lord. I don't know if he's break dancing, square dancing. He's just dancing before the Lord. He's wearing the linen ephod. And um, in the house of Israel, all of it, they brought that ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of a trumpet. David's back on track. He had thought through things. He got it right with God. He was going about it God's way. He was in the will of God. Experiencing the presence of God. And now he is glad. He realized that bringing the Spirit of God into his life, into the people of God, it just brought praise and worship. Psalm 34, as I was reading this morning to the, everybody there. I will bless the Lord at all times. We sang about it. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in you, Lord, and the humble will hear of that and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. For I sought the Lord, David says, and he heard me and he delivered me from all of my fears. you know when David wrote that? David wrote that about the middle of his exile years, running from Saul. And, and there was, a, there was a, a Philistine, just a, a he had, he'd went to the enemy's camp. And and somebody there recognized him. And, and David was so afraid. He was so gripped by fear that he pretended he wasn't David, the, 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 the future king. He, he, he pretended like he was crazy. And he went up to the, the gate of the city and he began to scratch at it like a madman and, and caused a bunch of spit to come down his beard and just feigned just madness to where the king's like, hey, are you guys really afraid of this guy? Open the gate and get him out of here, you know. David. David. That David. Fear so great, greatly gripped him, he looked insane. Fear just so gripped him that he would act insane. But shortly after that, man, just, I'm just going to bless the Lord at all times. His, his, his praise will... Just continually be in my mouth, my, my, my soul. Just, I boast in God. And humble people, they, they hear of that and they're just glad. So everybody, just magnify the Lord with me. Why? Well, let us exalt his name together. Why? Because I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. That's David. David, who wrote Psalm 24 right about the time that he brought the ark back to the city of Jerusalem. Listen to these words. The earth is Lord's and all the fullness, the world and all those who dwell therein. For he formed it and founded it upon the seas, established it upon the waters. 
who may ascend into the hill of the Lord. That's where they took the, the arks, where the temple would be built. Or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, not worshiping themselves or other things or circumstances. They're, 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 they're worshiping the Lord. He shall receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, those who seek his face. Oh, lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift up you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Again, he says, who's the king of glory? Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. May we make this about him in this season. May we be able to look back at however much longer COVID-19 wreaks havoc upon this planet, and may we be able to look at that season and say, I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and he delivered me from all of my fears. I, I was like David. I just, I so needed the presence of the Lord. All of us, I guarantee you, we have not walked perfectly through COVID-19. We had not made every decision we made has not been God-honoring. Every one of us have found ourselves at a time or two just like David. Maybe some of you even tonight, we were like, Oh, man, this resonates in my heart. I haven't had peace. And I haven't connected the dots to, I just miss him. And I, I, I miss him because I've, I've built all these platforms in my life for me. And my life is all about me and what I think it should be. And, 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 and he just doesn't do good on my carts. He just doesn't do good going about it my way. And you're realizing tonight, like David, that, 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 that just like David, we can ascend to the hill of the Lord. We, we, can, we, can, we can stand in his presence. Those, those just clean hands and a pure heart and receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the Lord. And, and he can become our strength and our might. I know that I'm speaking to a majority of Christians that I won't see face to face for a while. I know that. I've, I'm, I'm okay with that because I am 100% confident that God can take great care of you just where you're at, if that's where he has you, as well as in a fold like this. We trust the Lord. At the same time, we need to make sure if, if, if churches at home and churches with other people or whatever, if, if, if that is going to be where you have landed and you say, God has got me here. I am not to leave my house. I'm not to go into group assembly settings. If you believe that's the Lord, it is on you to set up an environment just like David did 
Be intentional about that. Be disciplined with that. Make it passionate. Make it real. Make it effective. I got a phone call from a guy today. I, I just, it was perfect. I was kind of tying the last few things to this Bible study together. And oftentimes when I'm about done in a long day, I'll just go on a drive. Just drive and pray. So I'm driving, catching my breath a little bit. And a guy calls me from the church and he just says, hey, I, I, I just want to thank you. Um, me and my wife were just talking and God put you on our heart. And I, we just want to thank you for you know, what you're doing. We're, we're really getting fed through the online. I, you know, it's tough with the young kids. We tried to come, but man, our, our kids command all of our attention at the church because there's no childcare. We can't give our attention to them and Jesus. And he goes, you understand, don't you? And I go, oh, I totally understand. Totally. And he goes, but I just want you to know we're doing everything we can to like, you know, you know, just hold the kids back and like really worship the Lord and pay attention to what you're saying. And we just want you to know, and he goes, it's just not the same. For him, that's his experience. He goes, it's just not the same. Kids running around the house and everything. And he goes, you know, I'm just not taking it as serious as, 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 as where I go with Jesus in a room with, with people encouraging me to worship and, and to study. And then he said this. But it was so cool because you know what my wife gave me for Father's Day? I'm like, I'm thinking shirt, tie, what, you know. And he goes, my wife... She, she got me a, she got us a babysitter for Father's Day. And, and, and she knew this was really heavy on my heart that I just missed worshiping Jesus with all of you. So she got me a babysitter. And I, I, I came to church, I held her hand, and I wept the whole time because I was so overwhelmed with the presence of Jesus. I'm like... You would think this guy's been sitting down with me all week when I'm preparing my Bible study. I'm like, you have no idea how much I needed to hear this. This is so affirming, some things that God is putting on my heart. If you're listening, bro, I, I love you, man. Thank you for letting the Lord use you. It really encouraged me to, 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 to just know I'm hearing from the Lord and, and, and as a church. We... Um, We, we trust the Lord and what he's doing. We don't want to put any guilt, any pressure on anybody. It's, it's hard to not see a, a building fill up with all the people you love and all the ministries we've had. It's, it's, um, it's okay. Uh, you, you uh, As a shepherd, it's like a dad. You're going to worry about your kids when you can't see them and they're not communicating with you. That's just something we've resigned to God. God, we trust you. We are hearing... You know, some amazing things. I was at the, the dentist the other day, and they're like, man, half the church comes here. They've been here all the last two weeks. It's, I'm like, oh, great, great. And the, no, the, but someone wants to talk to you, and the dentist came out and just said, and she goes to our church, and all, and she said, Lance, you just need to understand everything I've heard from the people in the body right now. They absolutely love what Jesus is doing in our church. And many of them, they're not gonna, you're not going to see them. They're not going to say it to you. But I just want you to know God is at work. And don't be discouraged. You don't see people. And it's not about discouragement. It's a heaviness. You just want to make sure your kids are all right. And the body of Christ is, uh, is all right. So those are, those, are, those are good things to hear. And I want to, I want to say that as encouragement to you people that are here as, uh, as well. But um, we, we, we are going to continue to go about 
you know, loving and equipping and connecting the body of Christ. We are making all the phone calls still. And, and um, you know, all, all during the week there are people going to homes, visiting homes, making phone calls, all that kind of stuff. Um, we're starting a new ministry called Pizza in Prayer. Um, let me explain it. Um, maybe you want to be part of it. But we know that certain people were calling, hey, can we, can we come by and pray for you? No, 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 you know. And so... We're like, yeah, but we'll, we'll like double up on all the, you know, social distancing. It's six foot. We'll stay 12 foot. You know, it's one mask. We're two masks. We joke with them. And, and no, no, we're not ready. Not ready. And, you know, a lot of people are telling us they're not coming back or, you know, we're not coming back next year. So we're okay with that. That's what God's put in their heart. And they, they we're like, but love pushes through that. Don't you think love pushes through that? You know, years ago, you know, we had our men's ministry and, and if we had 50 guys in a church our size meeting for a breakfast, we were like, this is great, man. We'd always pre- prepare for 150 to come. That's more for us. We'd be like happy, you know. But we realized that as we, we started making different food, like steak and smoking meat, that more men came. And it grew to, you know, 200 people. You know, the, the, last year we're seeing six, 700 guys come to these things. So I was telling the guys, you know, God works with food. He just does. Jesus loved to eat. He just, you know, always, it's the first thing he ever did when he saw the disciples, they're out in a boat fishing. He's like, come on, he had food for them. He's like, hey, this will work. I don't know if they would have swam in without the food. You know, but they, I, I'm like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to start a pizza and prayer ministry. We're going to, we, don't tell anybody about it, by the way. But the idea is we're going to just tell people, hey, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're making pizza. Somebody donated us these huge pizza ovens for, you know. So we're going to make pizzas. And we're going to offer them to people that don't come to our church. They're, they're part of our church, but they don't come. But here's the thing. We're going to, I know they'll invite us for the pizza. Come bring the pizza. It's free, yeah. Here's the order. Make the order. We're going to bring the pizza. One condition. We're going to open it up, show it to them, let them smell it. We're going to close it. And we're going to say, you're not getting this pizza until we can pray for you. You like that ministry, right? That's a good, isn't that a good, that's love pressing through. You're going to come here Sunday. And you're going to see a 7,000-square-foot tent, just the covering those sides right in front of the sanctuary. And you'll see, you're going to go, what is that? I'm going to tell you what it is. There are people that are comfortable sitting outside. They just are. They just are. They're comfortable sitting outside, and they miss what we're talking about tonight. And they're just not comfortable inside. And so... We're going out of our way. We've, we've called around. We got a bro deal, and we bought a tent. Big tent. You're going to come here. Some people are going to joke about it. Where's the elephants? Where's the monkey? I know. But it's, it, it, and there'll be some monkeys in there, trust me. But th- there'll be people that are going, you know, 2018, 19, you rolled up on this property. Here's what worship looked like. You pulled up in 2020, and the footprint's going to look a little different. You're going to have people sitting inside. Some people sitting down in the cafe. Some people sitting in the mini chapel. This Sunday, by the way, you're going to be able to walk through. It's, it's, we're about ready to paint next door. You're going to have some people sitting in classrooms that we built for kids, but there's no kids, so they'll be sitting in there. Some of the big kids, those big kids will go there. Got some 50-year-old kids that will be sitting over there. You're going to have people sitting outside. You're going to have people sitting in their cars, listening to Bible studies on their cars. You're going to have people sitting in their homes, just like they are right now. And, 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 and we're going to look at that and say, it just didn't make sense. Until we'll look back on it and we'll know that God was completely in charge. And we'll go, wow, aren't we excited that we were part of a church who followed a God who said, we are pressing through. And he gave us vision because we prayed for it. He gave us wisdom and favor because we prayed for it. He gave us health because we, 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 we prayed for it. I sat down with our 
city people this week. Uh, the state senator was here. Uh, Ling Ling Chang was here doing some recording and stuff. I talked to them about the upticks and what do you see happening with churches. And they were very excited about us getting a tent. It was a little bit of a hint, you know, where things are going to be tightening up quite possibly. But um, I sat down with, uh, you know, one of our councilmen. I just said, listen, you know, if, if we, we're going to buy this tent. And if, if we don't see, like, our church responding to this, I want you to start working on a location that we could set up this tent because we're going to take church to our, to our city. Amen. Amen? So that's not putting our church on notice or anything, like, hey, unless we fill up, we're going to take down the tent, man. No, it's, I believe God has a heart to reach more, not less. How he reaches more I don't don't care. I just want to be all in. I don't want to be two months, two years, whatever, past all of this. If we ever get past it and go, man, we missed out what God was doing. Look what God was doing, but we were too fearful or too, you know, building our own platforms and we missed it. I want to be out in front taking steps of faith. If we fail, I want to fail taking steps of faith. I don't want to fail because of fear. And I went six minutes over our allotted time, so... You that are watching online, thanks for hanging out with us. Let's welcome them and thank them again. Thank you, guys. We love you. Let's all stand here. Lord, thank you for our time in your word. Love you. Thank you for the balance of being able to to comfort and exhort. Lord, as we're apart geographically, but united spiritually, we know that you desire to do very personal things in all of our life between us and you. At the same time, you, you, you join us together. We're, just, we're no longer apart just relationally and spiritually. We are one. And, 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 and as difficult as it is to be apart because, because love draws us together, love for you, love for one another, we trust this season of being apart And and we trust it because we trust you in it. And and we just just ask, Lord, that tonight you you take this very simple message. The question, in this season, has it been about me or about you? And, and, And all of us would just allow you to, to work that out in our life. Just so we can make sure that whatever we are as your kids and whatever we do as your church, wherever we do that, we will know that it is about you. And Lord, if if in the future you just want to have all kinds of different ways of reaching people, may we not be so fixated on, 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 on things and ways of the past. But may we be flexible and faithful to whatever you call this church to be. And may we just be an example to our community of what transformation looks like and of what faith looks like during a pandemic when an amazing country is also being attacked. May the stability 
of our faith collectively be a testimony of how stable you are as our God. Last, we pray for anybody here that doesn't know you or listening online. As the word says, you said, Jesus, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's you. Just in closing, ask Jesus into your life. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him to come in to save you, to fill you with his spirit. To God be the glory. Great things he has done, is doing, and will continue to do. We love you, Jesus. Pray this in your name. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. Have a great night.